When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any of you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Downey. And our subject for today was called a historical hottie by People Magazine, which of course is the most reliable of all celebrity magazines, so it must be true. But her name, Nefertiti, means the beautiful one has come, or a beautiful woman has come. And she was also honored with a variety of very lovely titles, Sweet of Love, Lady of Grace, and some people have also called her the most powerful woman in the world. So not just a pretty face. And I've long loved Nefertiti. I actually was her for Halloween. I think I've mentioned it before. It was probably my best Halloween costume when I was about nine years old. And she's also a magnet, at least according to Molly from Stuff Mom Never Told You. On Molly's fridge. Yeah. (laughs) So a good way to get Egyptologists into a fight, which, you know, who wouldn't want to do that, is to debate Nefertiti. Because despite that famous bust of her that we've all seen that's in the Berlin Museum that inspires all sorts of tales, we don't know much about her at all. So let's start with the basics, the things we do know. Nefertiti was married to the heretic pharaoh Akhenaten, who ruled in the 18th dynasty from 1353 to 1336 BC, so not all that long, actually. 
And he's a bit of an enigma to us, too. One thing we do know, Akhenaten's father was Amenhotep III, whose reign was known for being very peaceful and prosperous and for producing tons of buildings and statues, things that you'd go to Egypt and, and see. And Akhenaten's name was actually Amenhotep IV until he came into power, and he didn't keep that name for too long. He changed it to Akhenaten, which means one who is effective for Aten, in honor of the new religion that he was about to bring the people. But before we talk too much about that, we want to talk about our girl Nefertiti. So because of that name we mentioned earlier, the beautiful one has come, there's a lot of speculation that Nefertiti was actually foreign, maybe from what is today Syria. And others think that, no, she wasn't foreign. She was born Egyptian royalty. Maybe she was even related to Akhenaten's mother, Queen Tai. Or perhaps she was the daughter of Ai, who was an influential courtier, and may have been involved in King Tut's death. He definitely succeeded him. But Which, he must have been really old, too. We were talking grandfatherly about Grandfatherly age, yes. Yeah. Well, all of this really goes to show how much of an enigma she was. I mean, we're talking about her parentage and, you know, where she's from. Pretty basic facts that are really fuzzy. But it's just... Uh, part of all the fascination around her. It's kind of like the Mona Lisa. You know, there's a great work of art. We're all really interested in it. And the woman, you know, who it's based on, but we don't know much. We're always looking for her. So what we do know about Nefertiti comes from tomb scenes, inscriptions, uh, temple scenes at Karnak, excavations at Amarna. And we do know, again, that she had six daughters with her husband in the first 10 years of their marriage, one of whom married King Tut. And we also know she wasn't Akhenaten's only wife. Notably, there was another woman named Kia, who was described as being Akhenaten's greatly beloved. And she may have been King Tut's mom, although, again, other people say Nefertiti was his mom. So more confusion, confusion about the parents and the kids. (laughs) And where she's from. But Nefertiti had an important role in Akhenaten's new religion, which we're going to talk about now. And when I think religion in ancient Egypt, I think of Bastet and Isis and Horus. But there were many gods, including solar ones like Amun and Ra, who were later to become simply Amun-Ra together. But there's an important shift when Akhenaten's dad declares that he was Amun's son and that he himself was actually Ra. Akhenaten goes even further when he declares that there's only one god, Aten, who is the sun disk. And I'm sure you've seen pictures of this god. It's usually pictured just as a circle with rays, kind of like you draw a sun when you were a kid, except that the rays are hands shooting out. And lots of art shows Akhenaten and Nefertiti worshipping it or just being engaged in in daily family activities. Hanging out with their sun god. (laughs) under their benevolent sun god. This was a huge change, though. You have to picture the dominant religion of the time and, you know, all of its gods worshipped in these dark temples. But now everything's in open air, the better to see the sun. Yeah, with a sun god, you got to go outside. So Akhenaten needed to build a bunch of new temples, and he wanted to do it quickly. So this meant a whole new way of constructing buildings instead of those giant blocks you think of when you think of, say, the Egyptian pyramids. They had little blocks that could be carried. More like little bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's oversimplifying things, though, to just say that we're going from a polytheistic religion to a monotheistic religion, because Akhenaten and Nefertiti are still depicted as godlike themselves. It's right, a, in like a triad with Aten. Yeah, Aten. with Aten. Uh, they're not going to give up 
their own divinity just because <laughs> they've, you know, proclaimed their, the sun god. And the other religious cults never really went away, even though Akhenaten tried to erase them and even moved the capital from Thebes to build a new one to get away from all of the old ways. And so it's not surprising, too. You're moving capitals. Changing uh, religion. The changing religion. religions that suggest that this is not received universally. The reforms aren't really popular. And he and Nefertiti are definitely enemies of the priests. And the people probably want to keep their own religion, especially, I mean, it's something so radically different from what they're used to. As we will see later. But going to Nefertiti's power, she may have been a sort of living fertility goddess, according to Britannica. Uh, Based on depictions of her from the time, she's always dressed really gorgeously in, in fine linens and fancy headdresses because she's supposed to be this alluring figure. And she has her little egg-shaped babies, too. <laughs> egg heads. <laughs> and at the temple in Thebes, art suggests that she may have acted as a priest of Aten. And in blocks from Karnak, she's shown actually smiting enemies in that fabulous blue headdress we all know her for, which was unheard of for anyone but a king. And this really suggests the influence that she had in Egypt at the time. Unprecedented. Yeah, she was considered divine, as we mentioned. But on her husband's sarcophagus, she's actually pictured on each of the four corners. And that's a big deal. It's her pictured instead of, uh, you know, the sun god or if it had been an older time, different gods. When you'll see her twice as often in art as you'll see Akhenaten, And some people think she may even have acted as co-ruler with him, but at the very least, she's credited with making this new religion seem a little more warm, fuzzy to the people. And that would be part of the reason why she's pictured with her daughters as this model of fertility and in lots of happy family portraits, which is always a good ploy for public sympathy. Just ask Marie Antoinette. Well, so what happens to Nefertiti? That's our question. We have these murky beginnings, but where does she, she go? She has the middle, too, with all of her influence and her power, but at a certain point, she kind of disappears. So Akhenaten dies after 17 years of rule, and none of the religious stuff really lasts very long after him. He has a co-regent named Shmenkari who keeps the throne until Tut, but from there, things are a little strange. In Akhenaten's 12th year of rule, one princess dies and three just disappear from the records. It's possible that they died of plague. And Kia disappears as well. Some people think Nefertiti might have gotten jealous and killed her. Kia is one of Akhenaten's other wives. But then Nefertiti disappears from the records as well. So did she die? Was she killed? Was she buried in the royal tomb at Amarna? Or it's possible that she was Svenkare, this ruler, and she's even more powerful than ever now. So we've mentioned that there was this co-regent after Akhenaten died. And this ruler had a throne name, which was different from the birth name, which I can't pronounce. I'm not even going to try. And some say that there were two rulers under that name and that Nefertiti was one of them. Although to go even further, some say that she became a female king, the new pharaoh, and some pictures do show a very feminine-looking pharaoh. 
So while we may never know, you know, what exactly Nefertiti's role was, if she, if she was a female king or if she was a co-regent or maybe just, uh, the wife of the pharaoh still or maybe even dead earlier than we thought, by not too long after the time she, she does die, her pictures are being defaced because she is so unpopular with the priests. When Akhenaten's buildings were largely destroyed, his name is completely erased from the king's list, so we didn't know anything about him until we found him. And it's not until 1912 when she surfaces again, that's when the bust of her was found at Amarna and dated to 1345 BC. And of course, it's beautiful, it's very beautiful, and ever since then we've been looking for her. And one Egyptologist, Joanne Fletcher, says that she's sure that Nefertiti is the younger woman, mummy, from KV-35 in the Valley of the Kings. And this mummy was unwrapped, so you can't tell the identity of an unwrapped mummy. But she has a shaved head, and someone tore her arm off, too, as well as ripped her mouth and bashed her chest, so really defaced the the body. There were two other mummies buried in this KV-35. One is known as the elder woman, and one is known as the boy. And the elder woman has red hair and manicured hands. The boy has a side lock. And it's thought that the woman might be Queen Tai, who is Nefertiti's mother-in-law. And the um, boy might be Prince Tutmosis. Here's another important thing about these mummies. All of them have really messed up feet, which, you know, in, in their belief system in the afterlife, that would mean they couldn't walk. And Nefertiti, with this bashed-in chest, if it is Nefertiti, wouldn't even be able to have the breath of life. Well, and according to Fletcher, since they are damaged in this way, it wouldn't have been grave robbers who did this. It must have been intentional, you know, a, a calculated action by people who wanted to make sure they didn't have an afterlife. To destroy their afterlife, yeah. But Fletcher is very controversial, and some say it was grave robbers looking for amulets on the mummies. And a lot of people say that the mummy is too young to be Nefertiti. Perhaps she's the elder woman in the tomb, and the younger one is one of her daughters. But unless one of them sits up and tells us, we probably won't know. We did get to play into that exhumation theme, though, <laughs> we definitely as we do. always do. And we have an art note to end. That bust of Nefertiti shows an epicanthic fold, which we associate with an East Asian eye. But it can also be associated with several medical conditions, and her daughter had it as well. So as always, people like playing posthumous medical detective and trying to figure out what genetically it could have been. So the epicanthic fold is based on the bust, but it's also important to note that the art changed pretty dramatically during the Amarna period. They're really exaggerated figures with these long skulls for the royals. You know, I mentioned the the egg-shaped baby (laughs) earlier. I remember looking at those when I was a kid and just thinking, what happened to their heads? (laughs) Um, They're also often depicted with big stomachs and hips and skinny little torsos. And this may have been symbolic or it was maybe just about changing everything. So you change your religion drastically. Change your capital. Maybe you change your art styles as well and just forge a new way. But it's also possible the art was more accurately reflecting how people look. Right. Perhaps Akhenaten did have a skinny little torso and a big stomach and kind of womanly hips. And in one statue that may or may not be Nefertiti, she's wrinkly and saggy. 
And again, we should note that she looks very different in a lot of portraits, and she may not have looked like that bust at all. And speaking of that bust being different from real life, a CT scan recently showed a difference between what we see of the bust and the inner facial cast. It's not as symmetrical or as unwrinkled, so perhaps was made prettier by the sculptor. Which is lucky for Nefertiti that she has to have a nice bust if she's going to be making people's historical hotties list. We should mention that the Egyptians want their bust back from the Germans by 2012, although there's a bit of a debate about that. But we'd like to wrap up with a quote that's from a hymn to Auten, but made us think of Nefertiti. He has a million forms according to the time of day and from where he is seen, yet he is always the same. And that brings us to our listener mail from today, which is about our Charlie Chaplin podcast. So this message is from Suzanne, and she wrote, I just wanted to say I loved your Charlie Chaplin podcast. I wanted to recommend you take a look at his old film studio. I've been to the Chaplin studio a few times, although it is now the Jim Henson studio. It's a lovely Tudor-style building, almost at the corner of Sunset and La Brea in Los Angeles. And she gave us some details about inside of the studio. I think our favorite point, though, was when she mentioned that it looks like an old English-style village. In the main reception area, there's a large black and white photograph of Charlie Chaplin at the groundbreaking of the studio. It's really cool to see what L.A. looked like back then, nothing around for miles. They also have one of his tramp suits with shoes under glass hanging on the wall. So I'd really like to see one of Charlie Chaplin's tramp suits. As would I. So please feel free to send us mail at historypodcast at howstuffworks.com. If you're not much of an emailer, you can follow us on Twitter at Missed in History or join our Facebook fan page where we'll keep you updated on what we're working on. And you should really read a very cool article called Was There Really a Curse on King Tut's Tomb? written by our own Lady of Grace, Sarah Dowdy. And you can search for that on our homepage at www.howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the howstuffworks.com homepage. has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash covers your skin in layers of rich moisturizers and vitamin B3 complex, transforming your skin from dry and dull to moisturized, soft and smooth in just 14 days. Feel the best in your skin and glow with confidence, all pride. For the third year, Olay Body is a proud sponsor of iHeartRadio and PNG's Can't Cancel Pride and supporter of the LGBTQ plus community. So this pride glow with confidence, not just all month, but all all year long. Check out Olay's new Indulgent Moisture Body Wash online or at your favorite retailer. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year 
Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is.